Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, the official show here on the Fish Stripes podcast channel, where we cover the Miami Marlins every day in our own way. I'm Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes, the show presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. Thank you guys all for listening to the show. Hopefully you've subscribed wherever you get your pods. Rate and review us wherever that's applicable. This is going to be a pretty quick pod because I'm recording in between picks of the first day of the MLB draft uh, right after the Marlins just finished the pre-All-Star break portion of their schedule. Our small pod with A.T. Rodal goes over what happened in Sunday's game and the Futures game performances from Jake Eater and Max Meyer. I was planning for this episode to focus mostly on on these first half awards for these Marlins players, I came up with some um, predictable and also some creative awards to give out for the Marlins for their first 89 games of the regular season. And then the MLB draft threw us a curveball. Um, we, we tried our best to prepare for the draft every which way about what the Marlins could do. Um, profiled more than a dozen different candidates who kind of made some sense. Uh, for the Marlins at their number 16 overall pick, but I am recording this very shortly after they made the news official selecting prep shortstop Khalil Watson from a North Carolina school, Wake Forest High School, with the number 16 overall pick. This guy, we need to just go into him first before getting to these awards coming up, that Khalil was a consensus top eight prospect in this class. You could ask anybody. There was not an obvious number one in this class. Um, You could say if you were watching the draft that the number one overall pick to Pittsburgh, Henry Davis, that caught a lot of people off guard. So this was not the only surprise of the first round, but there was supposed to be this top tier of six, seven, eight players. Um, And Watson was expected to be part of it, that their upside was just so high. um, And he's just 18 years old that he, there was just no way that he was going to be available with the Marlins this far down in the draft. If you were going to be mad at the Marlins for whatever irrational reason for sneaking into the playoffs last year and falling this far down in the draft, it would be because, damn, they miss out on an opportunity to get an all-star caliber player with their first-round pick. And miraculous, miraculously, they, they figured it out. Um, and I guess it will take a while for this whole story to come out, um, that for whatever reason quote-unquote character concerns with him, signability concerns, uh, whatever reason that he, Khalil Watson fell into the Marlins' lap. And everybody is totally surprised by it. Um, just as much as anybody, 
director of amateur scouting, DJ Spillick. He was pretty upfront with us. He was kind of in line with the other evaluators publicly that this guy was in that tier who was not going to be available, that he was just too good to fall to the Marlins. Khalil is one of the more dynamic players in the draft. You're talking about a guy that has a, a plus arm, plus run, electric bat speed, combined with a great swing and athleticism. He plays right up the middle of the field, which is everything we stress in the organization. So he checked all the boxes. Um, he performed all summer for us. We spent a lot of time in the summer uh, watching these players play. And when you get a player that has that type of talent combined with that kind of performance, to have him fall down to us for our pick was extremely exciting. 18 years old, just turned 18 in April, so he's a perfectly normal age to be a high school senior eligible into this draft. From Prospects Live, quote, Watson may be the most explosive prep prep shortstop in this class, and if everything clicks, he could be a star. Uh, His build and sometimes shorter arm actions suggest a move to second base is at least possible. Um, It's some similarities to, I'm not kidding, they mentioned Jazz Chisholm as a comp for him in Prospects Live right up, as, as did our friend Ian Smith. He made that exact same comp, that there are a lot of similarities between Watson and the Marlins' exciting rookie middle infielder right now at the major league level. Um, from other sources, Baseball America had him as the number six overall prospect in their rankings that, quote, Watson isn't the most physically physical player you'll see, uh, but there are scouts in the industry who believe his combination of athleticism, tools, and defensive profile give him the most upside in the class. Watson has outstanding bat speed and plenty of strength in his swing with a tendency to make to take massive hacks and to try to hit for power. From MLB Pipeline, they had him at, at number four overall in their draft prospect rankings. Quote, though he has an aggressive power over hit approach that may need some toning down against more advanced pitchers. He does make consistent contact and he doesn't chase pitches out of the strike zone too often. Running better than ever as a senior, Watson consistently displays well above average speed and is a base stealing threat. I tried pulling up his high school stats at max preps and I'll have to double check this in the morning to make sure it's accurate because it's unbelievable that in his senior year only 15 games but he hit 513 with an OPS of 1834 1834 he only struck out once in 15 games for a guy that has power over hit concerns just ridiculous his upside is fan graphs also had him as the fourth ranked prospect in their class he, he throws righty, he bats lefty, and nice to see a left-handed batter because Marlins' system is a little dry on left-handed guys that you really trust coming up through the system. There's just no way that we thought he'd even be available here. Um, so to go over some of the specifics about actually getting the deal done, the signing deadline for Watson is going to be August 1st, less than three weeks away to actually put pen to paper and get it official. And as we've seen with their other top draft picks, in the past couple of years, these negotiations will probably go down to the wire. I think it will take probably up until the final day of those negotiations to finalize things, but you should be pretty confident that the deal is going to get done, that they took him understanding what his demands were in terms of his signing bonus. He was, as I said, projected a top eight talent. And if you look at what the slot values are, the recommended signing bonuses are, for players selected in that neighborhood, it is 
let's go number well the number one slot was eight and a half million if you go down to number seven four five point four the number eight pick was five point two million the number nine pick was four point nine five million um it'll be interesting to see exactly what that number is i don't think anybody knows for sure but whatever it should be well above the marlin slot value of three point seven five million dollars that i think it's safe to bet watson will take up half of their entire signing bonus pool of their 10 million signing bonus pool if not even slightly more than half so it's a very um unorthodox approach compared to what the marlins have done um in every other draft under this ownership and it's kind of understandable why they had to do it just because they were picking further down in the draft order than ever they are putting a lot of they're putting a lot of eggs in the Khalil Watson basket that they really believe he is surefire going to pan out, that he's going to be a major leaguer for quite a while, and he's going to have a, a bright future. And if you do that, uh, a $5 million signing, just for example, that's a bargain. The draft can be an ultimate bargain if these guys do ultimately pan out. There's still a lot to learn about him uh, because, again, we simply didn't do a whole lot of due diligence on him not expecting him to be on the board uh, for the Marlins at this spot. It is very exciting. Uh, by the time I finish recording this, we'll know who the, the second pick they make in the comp round, number 31 overall. And then the rest of the draft, rounds 2 through 10, will be on Monday. Rounds 11 through 20 will be on Tuesday. We'll, we'll have coverage of all these guys. And to kind of tie it all together, this is, but this is about as surprising as you could have... Uh, a legit surprise that this really did come out of almost nowhere. And it's it's something that we'll understand a little bit more the farther we get away from it. But at the very least, I think all the evaluators are kind of in line here that Watson does have the ceiling to be an above average major league player. Um, the way the draft works, if you get one above average everyday player in your draft class, that's a win. When the Marlins drafted uh, Brian Anderson in 2014, and thus far haven't gotten a whole lot else in that draft class outside Brian Anderson, that's a successful class when you get one guy that is going to be playing for you year in, year out as an everyday caliber player. That's the approach they're going for, and it's it's very unusual. It puts a lot of pressure on Watson. That's going to be the key. It does put a lot of pressure on this one player. He, he has to be very cognizant of the fact that um, it's, it's not a one-man draft class overall. We'll see what they do with these later round picks. But um, he is, he kind of does, even though he is going uh, by name in the number 16 overall pick, um, uh, they'll be paying him certainly more than that, and he'll have the responsibility of being somebody that went a lot further up. He will be uh, the face of this draft class, regardless of what they do from here on out. We are expecting to see the Marlins take a catcher, one of their fairly early overall picks. As we've laid out in some of our draft previews, the Marlins on the pitching side, they love focusing on guys with big fastballs and plus breaking balls. I'm sure we'll see a pitcher that fits that archetype go at some point in the first handful of rounds of this draft. We'll have all coverage of that coming up on fishtrifes.com. But for the moment, Khalil, welcome to Miami. This show brought to you by our partners at Symbol. They've been with us all season long on the Fish Tribes podcast. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Barely a week and a half ago, they launched college football team stocks on Symbol to go along with Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, and now college football 
more than 60 teams that you can invest in as we rapidly approach the start of the college football season. Join more than 2,500 early adopters who have already started to invest, and that number is going to keep growing now that these college football teams are up there. Simbol.app, www.simbull.app. That's where you go to create your free account. With that first deposit you make, use our promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word, FISHSTRIPES, to get a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. The Sim Marlins share price is at $27.63. Simbull.app, promo code FISHSTRIPES. Invest in what you know, invest in sports with Symbol. Now a deep breath, and we go to what was originally planned as the main focus of this episode, some first-half award winners for the Marlins. It was not the first half of the season that I think anybody hoped for record-wise. They go in at 39-50. and 50. I, I looked it up just in case. There's never been a World Series winner that lost 50 games before the All-Star break. I think it's time to let go of that dream. You know what the playoff odds are for this team right now. They are in the very low single digits. Um, I, I mean, I've kind of been in this camp for more than a month that they were going to be sellers heading up to the trade deadline, and still not a whole lot of movement, movement or rumors specifically on that front. You know, we'll still have to play out those games the final couple weeks coming back from the All-Star break. Uh, now that we are at the break, it's a chance to, to breathe and digest a, a lot of what we've seen and observed from this team. Um, I mean, you know the big picture topics about where they are in the standings and yet where they are with their run differential, which is even they surpassed the Braves again by winning on uh, on Sunday, that it, the discrepancy between their record and their run differential is so extreme that they continue to struggle in so many of these one-run games, and that should even out a little bit by the end of the season, but simply not enough to kind of undo the damage that has already been done. Even so, it has been an entertaining year from an individual perspective. With this first award, I start with the top newcomer on the Marlins, somebody who is not in the organization in 2020 and just arrived either via some sort of transaction to trade or free agent signing or a waiver claim, and I settled on Adam Duvall as the top newcomer on the Marlins. Duvall's lack of on-base skills is a glaring flaw in his game for sure, but he does almost everything else right. He is overall, I think, an enjoyable player to watch this year. Um, his, I guess his overall production doesn't quite measure up to what it was with the Braves the year before, but when you bake in the age-related decline uh, and the fact that he has actually played better defensively than anybody could have imagined, he has been certainly a big net positive for this team. Adam Duvall, uh, I mean, leading the team in home runs, tied for the league lead in runs batted in. He, just a great situational hitter. The surprising versatility that he has shown defensively to make good plays in right field and in left field and in center field in the few occasions where he needed to play that as well. Some others I considered here for top newcomer, you know one of them for sure, Anthony Bender, hashtag Bendermania. Um, uh, it was some sort of a close call, I'd say, here until you know the last few days when Bender has come back down to earth uh, during that final Brave series um, to head into the All Star break. He had a couple you know bad outings, one where he had no feel for the slider. Uh, his most recent one, he actually did finish off the final. It was a nice sight to see him finish off the final game heading into the All Star break. That felt really good. He did allow a home run though in, in that process. 
And so the numbers are coming back down to earth for Bender. They're still outstanding. Uh, and a crazy stat that I just noticed heading into the break is that the only pitchers on the Marlins staff that have more strikeouts this season than Anthony Bender are Pablo and Sandy and Trevor. You know, the three, the big three on top of the rotation. Nobody else on the whole pitching staff has more strikeouts than Bender's 39. He has been such a great story. I also considered briefly Dylan Floro because I did like another version of this newcomer discussion. You'll remember on the podcast, I think in early June, and I named, I think I named Dylan Floro as the top newcomer at the time. He did go into a slump almost immediately after that, but now he has dug himself back up. Uh, Don Mattingly has consistently used him in high leverage situations, and way more often than not, he has uh, like been successful. He is really like validated Mattingly's trust in him, and I think the Marlins are pretty satisfied with the trade that they made to acquire him. Top rookie award for the first half is somewhat of a no-brainer at this point. It's Trevor Rogers, who is a deserving all-star. He was just spectacular in the first half. He was so consistently good in the first half, did not allow more than three runs in any single outing of that entire first half of the season. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, The stats, 2.31 earned run average. uh, Fielder independent pitching, a 250 fielder independent pitching that almost matches the ERA. He was the best qualified starter in baseball at keeping the ball in the ballpark. Only five home runs allowed in more than 100 innings. So that one's an easy one. He And of course, he won nationally rookie of the month in April and in May. Uh, briefly considered, of course, Bender himself and Jazz Chisholm Jr. There were inconsistencies for Jazz in that first half of the season, which is to be expected. But overall, you need to be very happy with what Jazz did during this first half of the season. I mean, he's almost on pace for a 2020 home runs and stolen bases season. So I think certainly someone that was made this a lot more tolerable to go through. And that ties perfectly into the next category, uh, one that's a very personalized award for me. It's the most gifable player, one who inspires more of my fish stripes gifts than anybody else. And this one was a fairly easy one as well, going to jazz, where not just the reactions and not just the style that he has and not just the mannerisms, but, you know, just the appearance, just the way that he is willing to be so authentically himself and the way that he plays the game with a whole lot of joy and a whole lot of swagger. Countless, countless moments I've been able to preserve in gifts from him. He is someone that fans naturally want to emulate, that they want to be close to, um, yeah, just absolutely uh, a whole lot of fun to follow Jazz during this first half of his first full major league season. Also considered here, Jesus Aguilar. I mean, speaking of guys who have a lot of fun on the field and are very expressive about it and off the field and in the dugout as well. There have been a lot of moments to capture with, with Jesus Aguilar. One of my favorites is probably him running off the field after making that barehanded play at third base. That one time he played third base in an emergency setting. Anthony Bender, just for the sheer nastiness of his pitches, and a couple good reaction shots of him, but more so just this one is just an acknowledgement of the nastiness of his pitches that don't really look like anybody else on this pitching staff. That's been a lot of fun to capture that. Going to the craziest play of the first half of this Marlins season, 
plenty of candidates here. Uh, the one that came to mind to me pretty immediately was Aguilar at first base against the Giants on April 17th. I think you could just listen to this one and, and you know what I'm talking about. Waving him around third base and then decided to hold up. Ground ball, Jazz gets to it behind the bag, off balance, throw, oh, yeah. and Aguilar made the play! Aguilar made the play! What a play. <laughs> Just tremendous hand-eye coordination. Remember, it's the top of the 10th inning. The Marlins were already down one run, and that play saved at least one other run from scoring in that inning. They go to a replay review. They take a very close look at it for several minutes, and the play stands. The Marlins end up winning that game on that incredible play by Jesus Aguilar, who overall, you know, defensively, he's had his ups and his downs this year. That was a highlight that really stuck with me just from the <laughs> the coordination it took. Well, the original misstep and then the way he made up for it immediately. Again, plenty of candidates for craziest play if you want to go to it. I mean, unfortunately, the one that also comes to mind is this recent one on Saturday, the Jazz Chisholm inside the park home run, the first one for a Marlins player in more than three years. I, I, I don't want to highlight it too much, though, because of the fact that Ronald Acuna suffered a season-ending knee injury on that same play. But the Marlins have played really good defense this year at a variety of positions as something that's I kind of anticipated that happening. They've been very impressive from that standpoint. Uh, another unique award to this show, the Raniel Pinto Award, an homage to Pinto, who in the late 2000s was in the Marlins bullpen, uh, a reliever here that you are most uncomfortable watching, the one that you simply cannot trust no matter what. This one, a fairly obvious winner to me, it was Anthony Bass, where you look at his overall stats this year to this point in the season, and they don't really seem terrible, but when you're actually sitting through it, when you understand the context of the ways that he has struggled in the situations where he has let you down, um, I think most people would agree that he is the, the epitome of that late-inning reliever that you just dread seeing, uh, no, matter, no matter what kind of hot streak he's on that he doesn't quite seem to get it done when it matters. And for the most part, just has not been a successful free agent signing for them. Still under contract for at least one more year beyond this year. So still some time for him to uh, make up for it. But so far, not off to a great start. And the final two here with the least valuable player on the Marlins, the LVP. Not trying to um, make anybody feel bad. I'm not. My policy here is not to pick on any rookies because there have been a lot of rookies on this Marlins team. Some forced into action uh, earlier than they should have been, or into larger roles than it was fair for them to be ready for. So I'm not even considering them candidates here. But of the non-rookies for least valuable player, I would go with infielder Isan Diaz. Uh, first got called up, I think, right after the Jazz injury. That was in April, going way back to late April. And then subsequent injuries to Brian Anderson and then to Miguel Rojas. I mean, overall, Isan stuck on the active roster for more than a month. He was close to an everyday player during that time at either second base or third base. Such an extended opportunity for him to finally, you know, establish himself as a viable major leaguer. Not even, you know, an average one, not even living up to his prospect pedigree, but just somebody that was at least replacement level. And he responded with a 146 2 86 223 slash line 
an OPS barely over 500. A couple home runs. Uh, one was a grand slam. The other was that home run against Max Scherzer to spoil a shutout. Memorable home runs and just basically nothing else. Just somehow, you know, lowered the bar even lower than it had been for his previous major league experience. He's gone back to AAA. He's crushing it in AAA. Um, it's a real mystery with him that it just can't click once he gets to the highest level. The Marlins lost some games in there. Um, when they built this team, they anticipated that if anything went wrong with those infielders, um, with Rojas and Anderson and Chisholm, um, they were hopeful that you wouldn't be losing multiple of those guys at the same time. But they thought Isan uh, could be the next man up at a couple of those positions. They did not go outside the organization. They did not pay up for any sort of established infielder to handle that. And um, they were proven wrong. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Isan did not take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, we'll see what the second half of the season holds for him. Also considered in this category, Chad Wallach. Uh, I mean, Wallach played, honestly, played pretty decently for a lot of that 2020 season. There were even flashes in 2019 where it seemed that he, if he got the right pitches, he could actually hit for some power, um, not to mention, not to overlook the fact that he was supposed to be a very solid defensive catcher, someone who not only did some of the tangible things right, like control the running game and frame pitches, but someone that the pitchers themselves uh, swore by, that they loved to work with and were on the same page with. Those things just did not carry over to this season. Um, I mean, his strikeout rate was through the roof as a hitter. He was not hitting with the ball with authority, as we were accustomed to seeing in those previous years, the offensive numbers, uh, bottom line production was very similar to Eson, a 517 OPS, only three extra base hits. I remember that triple. He did have a triple that I guess he could put somewhere in the conversation of craziest play when Wallach had that triple there. Um, he's down in AAA just like Eson is. He's doing fine down there. Uh, the Marlins thought they had a very serviceable backup catcher in him, and that has uh, not been the case. I mean, Frankly, that whole position continues to uh, be a big head-scratcher for them and a point of stress as to how they're going to address that position moving forward. Finally, the most valuable player of the first half of this Marlins season. Uh, I mean, For me, this was a fairly obvious one, but I'll be curious to hear what you guys think about it as well. I went again as the same winner for top rookie. It's Trevor Rogers that he, by being consistently good, every single start by being occasionally awesome in some of those starts that the consistency the way he keeps the ball in the ballpark made this fairly easy that he was uh, the most productive player they had at any position this is a award that typically you think MVP and you lean towards a position player 
the Marlins did have a lot of injuries to some of their core position players. I mean, Brian Anderson is someone that we saw as a breakout candidate entering this year. Uh, Starling Marte, the way he started this season, um, was outstanding, and he looked outstanding right when he came back from the IL, but then there's been that big slump more recently that has brought his numbers way back down to earth. Simply the missed time for him, for B.A., even with Miggy Rowe, I think he just missed too much time for you to really see him as an MVP kind of guy. The ones I really considered here, aside from Trevor, were Adam Duvall, again. Uh, Duvall was healthy until this very last stretch of, of this first half of the season. Sandy Alcantara, where he certainly gave them the largest workload of any of these pitchers, the way that he pitched so deep into these games, but his effectiveness did slip, you know, as we got later into um, the season, as I already touched on on previous pods, that his swing and miss stuff was not the same as we got deeper into this first half of the season. Uh, Pablo Lopez um, was great in this first half, but I don't think you could really find any measure that says that Pablo was quite as good as Trevor was, you know, almost the exact same amount of innings and batters faced, but not as much swing and miss stuff, more home runs allowed. Um, and unfortunately, uh, really not through any fault of his own, there was that ejection in Atlanta that simply um, took a shot at his workload total to compare with Trevor. Pablo was great, uh, just not quite at that same level. And worth a mention here again, also Jesus Aguilar, where how productive he was, really durable. I have to double check. Was he actually their leader? in a playing time during he certainly was by a pretty big margin if you didn't realize Aguilar 85 games played nobody else had uh, more than 79 in the first half of the season most played appearances by about 40 over the next closest player tied for the National League lead and runs batted in uh, his, his defense was fine overall I'd say he had those really crazy home road splits for a lot of the season, but that finally starts to even out during this final homestand before the break. Uh, Aguilar is great. As I've teased on a couple other platforms, um, I am working up a trade proposal idea for Aguilar, though, that just his fit with the organization long-term doesn't quite align for me, uh, in my opinion. Uh, nonetheless, he's been just a terrific pickup for them overall during these parts of two seasons, and uh, they, they wouldn't be as fun during this first half of the year without him that's for sure and um i mean he's the one that put them over the top with that walk-off win just a few days ago you could point to several games probably where aguilar made the difference overall i think trevor is the one that had that biggest impact it's so wonderful to be in that position with someone like trevor who is rookie eligible he's under control for five more years at least before free agency beyond 2021 just the epitome of a building block player for the Marlins. So I will print up these award winners for you uh, just so you can stare them over and tell me which ones I got wrong. Top newcomer, top rookie, most gifable, craziest play, Raniel Pinto award, least valuable player, and most valuable player. Thanks as always for listening. We'll have more complete draft coverage up on the site. uh, As the rest of this draft plays out over the next couple days, we'll certainly have all-star coverage to see what happens once Trevor Rogers gets into that game on Tuesday in Coors Field in Colorado. And we'll look forward to the entire second half of the season, especially the trade deadline coming up barely two and a half weeks from now. Almost every single day, there will be trade talk, I'm sure, on our comments section, on our social media accounts. So be sure to follow us on all the platforms. 
where you can find fish stripes for Marlins coverage. The headliner of this episode again, Khalil Watson, is going to be a Marlin. Just an outstanding surprise that this amateur scouting department continues to impress with the kind of talent they're, they're able to pick up. That is so, so critical to sustaining this as a contending team, being able to pick up these type of dynamic players and hopefully, hopefully getting the most out of them. It's just one step at a time with Watson, get them signed, uh, get him to debut in, in pro ball and rookie ball later this summer. We'll be following him every step of the way. And we hope all the Khalil Watson fans out there are uh, following along with our Marlins coverage as well moving forward. I'm Eli Sussman. As always, go fish. Go fish.